0: Today, from the Global Lane, in some countries around the world, you can die if convicted of blasphemy. Laws are being changed in countries like Sudan, but an even greater change may be needed.
1: You can change the law, but it's so hard to change the heart of
0: people. Get ready. Winter hardships may lead to another wave of Ukrainian refugees in Europe. This winter
2: already, they cannot provide heat. They cannot, um, they cannot uh, keep their families safe.
0: Final nail in the coffin, SCOTUS takes up Biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan and another wave of 14,000 migrants per day. Who will stop it? It's an immigration system that has to be reformed and yet there's no discussion of it in Congress. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. The largest Muslim country in the world, Indonesia, has criminalized sex outside of marriage. Once the new code is implemented, adulterous violators could face up to one year in jail. Another revision to the Indonesian Federal Code expands the country's blasphemy law. Earlier this year, Pew Research Center found that blasphemy laws remain on the books in at least 40% of the countries around the world. And in countries like Pakistan, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, you can be put to death if you're convicted of committing blasphemy against Muhammad. Well, here with more our two guests... Christine Sequenza, Policy Director for the National Association of Evangelicals, and Miriam Ibrahim, a Sudanese Christian who was jailed and faced death for committing apostasy in Sudan. Miriam's story is told in her book Shackled. Tell me, Christine, this is quite a problem around the world. I mean, are you surprised by any of this? It's been going on for quite a while.
3: Well, thank you, Gary. Um, I'm not surprised by by any of it. I'm also the co-chair of the Campaign to Eliminate Blasphemy and Apostasy Laws, which comes out of the International Religious Freedom Roundtable table, secretariat, and what we focus on at the campaign is eliminating blasphemy and apostasy laws around the world. So you're not wrong that Christians are jailed, um, extrajudicially killed around the world for uh, the freedom of religion or belief or the lack thereof, but also so are Muslims um, in every sect. Depending on where they live, they are persecuted if they are a mi- minority. So at the campaign, what we've been doing is working on two resolutions that in conjunction um, are working to repeal the death penalty where the death penalty exists for blasphemy and apostasy. So the first resolution is a moratorium on the death penalty. And that one uh, in November was actually put through the Third Committee on Human Rights at the United Nations and was recently voted on. Uh, 126 members voted in favor of that one. Ma- that's uh, nation states in that particular language. Our campaign was advocating to add freedom of religion or belief to protect Persecuted minority religious groups around the world now. We didn't get forb language in that particular resolution. We only got um, language that specifically talks about uh, a moratorium on the death penalty for a human right Which if you look at the article 18 of the universal declaration of human rights out of the United Nations Can be defined as blasphemy and apostasy, but the more Exciting resolution that we um, have been working on in the United Nations, also voted out of the third committee on human rights, is a, uh, a resolution specifically focused on extrajudicial killings. And in that one, we were able to add freedom of religion or belief language. And we were very excited to see 131 um, United Nations member states vote in favor of that, including eight that had previously abstained, um, including Ghana which we were really excited about. But there's work to be done um, on Nigeria.
0: Mariam, you spent five months in prison in Sudan with your young son. You also gave birth to baby Maya while you were there. Your case drew international attention to and condemnation of blasphemy laws. I guess apostasy leaving Islam is no longer punishable by death in Sudan, but it's still on the books in about uh, 20 countries. Why is that? Well, um,
1: I spent over um, five months in prison, yes. And it's actually um, the law itself, you know, it says it's abolished in Sudan, but there's other, you know, criminal charges that can lead to apostasy. And there's many cases still now in the court in Sudan. And um, uh, we hear, like, a lot of times it's just a bad government. It's not just the law, it's a bad government of, you can change the law, but it's so hard to change the heart of people. And um when the abolishing apostasy law happened in Sudan, there's a new law that is criminalized people who, you know, um call people an apostasy or harass or um uh, you know uh commit any violence toward a religious minority or um non-Muslim individuals. Just for um from, you know, human rights perspective, this law shouldn't be even, there's no any discussion about this law, because most of these countries actually signed the Declaration of Human Rights Law, and they are obligated by this law to, to respect um, those who really convert or change their religion, or in some cases, just free speech can, can lead to apostasy. Yes, one, it's
0: one thing to uh, uh, sign agreements, another thing to follow them. Uh,
1: to also follow changing
0: them. hearts and minds, as you mentioned. Maryam. I also want to know, uh, there was a global outcry and activism which led to your release, but many people were actively praying as well. So how important is prayer?
1: Oh, prayer is very important. And as, as a believer, we do. I, I believe that um, my son and I prayed inside that prison in Sudan and God, Put us in many people's heart to pray and to advocate for us. Prayer always work, and um, but also faith. You know, prayer with no work, you know, is is not helping. So I, I believe as we pray. Also, pray that God will put the right people, you know, in the right mm. positions, like you know, to uh, to to speak the truth and to to seek justice and to stand with the oppression who's also faced violence. So it's it's very important that we we pray for our leaders and, and for good leaders, because as God uses good people to do his work, Satan uses, um, you know, the people also to do the evil work. And there's no evil more dangerous than having to put someone in jail or to kill someone just because they are different, their belief is different, or... They express their opinion toward, you know, the majority's religion.
0: And how are and your children doing, doing now, Miriam? I guess Martin must be, what, 10? Maya about 8 years old now? How are yeah. they doing?
1: Yeah. They're doing great. They're doing very good. and they have, they have a very big heart for the persecuted church and people who face persecution. And, and we do pray for Muslims. We do pray for those who really um, choose to do evil.
0: Okay, Christine Sequenza, Policy Director at the NAE and former blasphemy prisoner in Sudan, Mariam Ibrahim. Thank you both for taking the time to share your insights. We appreciate it. God bless you. An urgent appeal to Europe to get ready for a new wave of Ukrainian refugees with hundreds of thousands on their way, seeking warmth and refuge. That word from the head of the Norwegian Refugee Council, Jan Eglund who says it's really a choice between freeze or fleeing. Russia's targeting of civilian infrastructure in Ukraine, fuel, electricity and water, is creating hardship for many Ukrainians. And here to explain more about this humanitarian crisis is the president of Mission Eurasia, Sergei Rakuba. Sergey, it's good to talk with you, but not so good about what's happening. Already about 8 million Ukrainians have fled the country since the start of the war last February. How prepared is Europe to help hundreds of thousands of more new arrivals expected this winter?
2: The war is raging over nine uh, months now. There were a lot of destruction, millions of refugees. Uh, THE UNITED NATIONS ESTIMATES THAT THERE ARE ABOUT 20 MILLION PEOPLE SHIFTED FROM THEIR COMMUNITIES SOMEWHERE ELSE. ABOUT 7 MILLION OF THOSE cross THE BORDER INTO NEIGHBORING COUNTRIES LOOKING FOR, uh, SEARCHING FOR A SAFER PLACE FOR THEIR FAMILIES. BUT WITH ALL NEW RECENTLY ESCALATED uh, MISSILE ATTACKS THAT RUSSIA LAUNCHES ALMOST ON WEEKLY OR DAILY BASIS and there is a huge, uh, huge concern, so that another wave of refugees will be crossing into the neighboring countries, looking for a warmer place. They cannot provide heat. They cannot. Um, they cannot uh, keep their families safe in this harsh winter. Now, when Russia continues pounding their uh, their uh, residential quarters in Ukraine, they move to another town. They find a shelter churches are very much open helping them Uh, a lot of families there in western parts of ukraine national ukrainian families are very graciously opening their homes Uh, churches opening their sanctuaries uh, dormitories, opening their rooms and so they are preparing to help a large number of displaced families that are looking for a warmer and safer place in those territories
0: tell us what mission eurasia is doing to make a difference this christmas and the uh, mission
2: eurasia as you probably know uh gary at the beginning of the war russian forces uh, took over our ministry headquarters in Erpin bucha there in uh, near Kyiv, and destroyed that you know within the first months of war so our building is destroyed by our ministry our vision is getting even stronger so they are not going to destroy our ministry we continue reaching out to Hundreds of thousands of needy Ukrainians with all the relief help, you know, we can provide working in partnership with American churches, American Western Christians for graciously providing support for the ministry and Mission Eurasia. This coming, this winter already, officially winter began in Ukraine just uh, December 1st. And the first frost is there, the first snow is there. But our team's already delivering winter help to those who got stuck in those destroyed villages near Kherson, which was recently liberated. There are hundreds of thousands of children, displaced and refugee children, that lost everything. They lost the comfort of their home. They lost friends in their community when they ran with their parents uh, running away from war. They will not they're not going to have Christmas if we don't help them. So we want to put a smile back onto their faces, providing them with a specially designed, very nicely packed Christmas present. And as you see, I have it on my display here. So this uh, Christmas present, we call it a gift of hope. We are buying things on bulk in neighboring countries with Ukraine in Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, We deliver those goods to Ukraine, and our volunteers are already packing these Christmas boxes, these Christmas gifts of hope, and right on Christmas Day, we will be delivering uh, through our force of volunteer teams, and we have hundreds of them across the nation in Ukraine, in Poland, in Moldova. They will be delivering the Christmas gifts and placing into the hands of needy Ukrainian children with a Christmas gift that will put a smile back into their face, will share the story, the greatest story of all about the greatest gift of all that's Jesus Christ that symbolize I mean this gift symbolizes you know gift of Christ over Christmas. so and we really like your viewers to partner with us to enable us to deliver a gift of hope. Uh, and place into the hands of needy Ukrainian children over this Christmas season.
0: Okay, a lot different Christmas this year for them than last year, but you're bringing them help and hope. Sergey Rakuba, Mission Eurasia, nice talking with you again. May God continue to bless your efforts.
2: Gary, uh, thank you so much. And may God bless you, uh, CBN networks, and all your viewers, you know, and Merry Christmas to you all.
0: The U.S. Supreme Court is expected to take up President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan early next year, possibly in February. In the meantime, Biden's $400 billion plan is on hold, as a lower appeals court order halting its enactment remains in place. Well, here to set us straight is Young Voices commentator Charles Brandt. Charlie is a student at George Washington University Law School. So, Charlie, thanks for being with us. So what are you hearing from GWU students and others about the president's student loan debt forgiveness plan? Do most support or oppose it?
4: Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on, Gary. I very much appreciate the opportunity. Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't discussed the program much with my students. I've discussed it uh, slightly um, with my federal courts professor, and namely with respect to standing, which is the doctrine that basically controls the floodgates of the courtroom door, Um Uh, So I haven't really discussed the merits of the case much with my colleagues, nor have I discussed the practicalities of their debt situation.
0: Well, the president based his executive order on the HEROES Act, but that's only to be used in times of national emergency, is it not? What do you think?
4: Well, according to Judge Pitman, Mark, Judge Mark Pittman excuse me, of the United States District Court for the Northern District of Texas, that is a fair reading of the statute. It was passed um, on the onset of the Iraq War in 2003 to give the Secretary of Education leeway to waive or modify debt uh, in connection, directly in connection with a national emergency. Essentially, to ensure that those who had taken loans. Um, pursuant to the Higher Education Act, would not be put in a worse financial situation because of their military service. Now, the statute also includes rather broad language such as national emergency. Um, And uh, it is on that basis that the administration argues that the Heroes Act authorizes this mass discharge of debt on a society-wide scale. Essentially, the argument being that COVID-19, the pandemic, is a national emergency. This is despite the fact that the president... A few months ago actually declared that the covid emergency is over and judge mark Pittman actually rather cheekily uh cheekily uh um emphasized that point in his district court holding last month striking down the program now you mentioned the supreme court and uh this case is headed to the supreme court but not from judge mark Pittman's order uh, rather this is a case from the eighth circuit court of appeals where you have six states uh including missouri nebraska Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina suing the administration um, for this uh, rather lawless student loan forgiveness program. And the Eighth Circuit found that because Missouri likely had standing uh, and because the equities, essentially a balancing of fairness factors, weighed, uh, or rather counseled in favor of, of putting the program on hold, they did so. And from that ruling, The administration is headed to the Supreme Court where oral arguments are to be had in February and where we can expect a decision both on the merits uh, and standing, well, rather on the merits if there is standing in June.
0: Well, uh, you're a law school student. What are most of your professors saying about the potential Supreme Court ruling on this? How do they and you expect the court to rule and why?
4: I haven't discussed it much with my professors, I have to be honest with you. What I can say, based on a second-year law student's perspective, is that the big question here is that of standing. Whether or not Missouri has asserted an injury, in fact, that is fairly traceable to the allegedly unlawful conduct of the defendant, i.e., the Biden administration and the Department of Education, um, and whether... That injury, in fact, fairly traceable to such conduct, is likely, not merely speculatively, to be redressed by favorable judicial resolution. So that is the Article III standing doctrine as set forth by the United States Supreme Court in a case called Lujan versus Defenders of Wildlife, decided, I believe, in the 1990s.
0: Okay, Charlie, quickly then, how likely would a disfavorable ruling from SCOTUS uh, kill any future action? Would Congress take up the cause legislatively?
4: Well, I don't think President Biden has nearly enough support in Congress, especially in light of the Republicans taking the House of Representatives uh, in the next couple of months. Um, But he lacked the support even with a united Democratic uh, government, a Senate of Democrats and a, a, a House of Democrats. He he lacked the necessary support because more moderate centrist Democrats, and, I, and especially the Senate, were, I think, uncomfortable with the idea. Judge Mark Pittman, in, in his order vacating the loan forgiveness program on the grounds that it violates something called the major questions doctrine, um, essentially highlighted the fact that Congress has proposed bills to eliminate debt in the same manner that the administration has, which evinces. Um, a notion that Congress itself doesn't believe the president to have this authority. Indeed, Speaker Pelosi herself disclaimed any notion that the president has this authority, I believe, uh, last year in a press conference.
0: Okay, Charles Brandt, Young Voices commentator at GW Law School. Thank you, Charlie, for taking the time to be with us. We appreciate it.
4: Thank you so much for having me. I very much appreciate it. And happy holidays to you and your viewers.
0: You too. federal policy known as Title 42 is set to end soon here in the United States. The Trump-era rule sent migrants back home without allowing them to apply for asylum. That means as many as 14,000 new migrants per day may soon surge over the southern border. Already more than 2,400 daily encounters are occurring in El Paso, Texas. And that's just one border crossing. Nationwide, a record 2.7 million migrants crossed the U.S. southern border in fiscal year 2022. Folks, this is truly an invasion, and we need to stop it. We need to restore a common-sense approach to immigration. Right now, our country is being overwhelmed and harmed. According to the FBI, gun homicides in the United States increased 7% from 2020 to 2021. Non-fatal gun shootings are also up. So do you think there might be a connection here to the administration's open border policy, which started in January 2020? At the Nogales point of entry in Arizona, bullets, magazines, and gun parts seizures have increased 200% over last year. That's just one point of entry. How many guns are making it through undetected each day? Not to mention criminal gangs who were also smuggling Chinese-manufactured fentanyl into the country. From the end of May until early September this year, federal agents seized more than 10.2 million fentanyl pills and 980 pounds of fentanyl powder. That amount is enough to kill as many as 36 million Americans. And border agents apprehended 98 people on the terrorist watch list in fiscal year 2022. Don't you wonder how many actually got through? So you get the point. Folks, it's urgent that Congress act immediately to shut down our border. The state of Texas is already taking its own steps to do so because Congress and this president will not. President Biden is yet to visit the southern border. I guess he found it more important to party with Cindy Lauper and LGBTQ activists at the White House this week for that signing of the Marriage Equality Act. While anticipating a possible run for the White House, California Governor Gavin Newsom felt a sudden urgency to visit the border this week. And he has a message for Congress.
2: It's an immigration system that has to be reformed. And yet there's no discussion of it in Congress because the Republican Congress wants nothing to do with it.
0: Those nasty Republicans. Actually, Governor, politicians in both parties are standing in the way. However, some GOP congressmen think that the solution is to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. But even if Mayorkas is impeached and removed from office, guess what? It won't stop the administration's open border policy so far, President Biden refuses to lead the way to make changes to a broken immigration system. So pray for change and push for government accountability. And let's remember the words of Harry Truman, who told us that the buck stops in the Oval Office. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channels, social media, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.